No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where God raises up three adversaries against Solomon because of his disobedience. When we disobey God, he can make trouble for us. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 1 Kings chapter 11 on Simply the Bible. A person of puzzling or contradictory character is called an enigma. Solomon was an enigma. Never in history was a person so endowed with wisdom, and yet he failed to walk in that wisdom. Going back to the Garden of Eden, there were two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. The temptation was to know good and evil rather than to know life. Solomon's life reminds us that it isn't what we know, but what we live that determines how we finish. Now, Solomon's name means peace, and God gave peace to Israel during Solomon's reign. But toward the end of Solomon's life, he had some rather evasive enemies. Try as he might, Solomon could not subdue them. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. But what if a man's ways don't please the Lord? What if, like Solomon, a man deliberately disobeys God? Then the Lord can raise up enemies to be at war with him. And that's exactly what we see in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 14. Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad, the Edomite. He was a descendant of the king in Edom. The Edomites were descendants of Esau, the brother of Israel. Although they were relatives, Israel and Edom had been at odds from the time Israel came out of Egyptian bondage, and Edom refused to let them pass through their land. For it happened when David was in Edom, and Joab, the commander of the army, had gone up to bury the slain after he had killed every male in Edom. Because for six months Joab remained there with all Israel until he had cut down every male in Edom. That Hadad fled to go to Egypt, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him. Hadad was still a little child. And they took men with them from Paran and came to Egypt to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who gave him a house, apportioned food for him, and gave him land. And Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him as wife the sister of his own wife, that is, the sister of Queen Tapanes. Then the sister of Tapanes bore him Genubath, his son, whom Tapanes weaned in Pharaoh's house. And Genubath was in Pharaoh's household among the sons of Pharaoh. So, according to Psalm 60, David and Joab had killed 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Hadad was an Edomite prince and just a child at the time when he escaped with some of his father's servants and fled to Egypt. Pharaoh showed him kindness and provided for all of his needs, 
even giving him his own sister-in-law in marriage when Hadad was of age. Solomon had married Pharaoh's daughter. Presumably, this was a new Pharaoh who felt no loyalty towards Solomon at all. Hadad was bitter against David and Joab for killing his father and became an avowed enemy of Israel. Solomon had sought to make peace treaties with the surrounding nations by marrying their daughters. But all the ingenuity and scheming of man can never stand against the plan of God or the word of God. So when Hadad heard in Egypt that David rested with his fathers and that Joab, the commander of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Let me depart that I may go to my own country. Then Pharaoh said to him, But what have you lacked with me, that suddenly you seek to go to your own country? So he answered, Nothing, but do let me go anyway. Hadad saw this as an opportunity to take revenge against Israel, much in the same way as Alexander the Great would later take revenge against Persia. Pharaoh didn't understand why Hadad wanted to leave, But in fact, God was raising Hadad up for this purpose. When the Lord told David that he would build him a dynasty, he said that he would put one of his sons on the throne who would build a house for his name, that is the temple. Then he said, I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. God could have taken his mercy away from Solomon completely. Instead, he raised up the rod of Hadad in the south to discipline him. And God raised up another adversary against him, Rezon, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord, Hadadezer, king of Zobah. So he gathered men to him and became captain over a band of raiders when David killed those of Zobah. And they went to Damascus and dwelt there and reigned in Damascus. He was an adversary of Israel all the days of Solomon, besides the trouble that Hadad caused. And he abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. So Zobah was a kingdom just south of Damascus. When David defeated the Syrians there, a young man named Rezan fled to Damascus with his band of soldiers and set himself up as king. Syria increased in power under his leadership, so he must have been quite a capable leader, and he became a troublemaker for Solomon in the north. Now, why did God bring these adversaries against Solomon? I love what Pastor John Corson says. Because he loved Solomon too much to allow him to continue in iniquity and apathy, Hadad and Rezin were used by the Lord to get Solomon off his high horse and back down on his knees. Now, how did Solomon respond to the Lord's chastening hand? He didn't. Instead, he stiffened his neck and clung to his foreign wives and to worshiping their idols. Now, Peter tells us, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. How much better would it have been for Solomon if he had humbled himself beneath the Lord's hand? Remember, the Lord's hand of discipline 
is also his hand of love. For those whom he loves, he disciplines, as any good father does. Then Solomon's servant, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite from Zerida, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also rebelled against the king. Just when Solomon thought his hands were full, here comes another troublemaker. And this is what caused him to rebel against the king. Solomon had built the millo and repaired the damages to the city of David, his father. The man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing that the young man was industrious, made him the officer over all the labor force of the house of Joseph. You'll recall that the millo was a wall on the north side of Jerusalem that Solomon had built up. Then there was also a breach in the wall of the city of David, which was on the southeastern side of the city. Jeroboam worked on these two projects and proved himself to be a diligent and capable leader. So Solomon put him over the conscripted labor force of Israel in the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, met him on the way, and he had clothed himself with a new garment, and the two were alone in the field. Then Ahijah took hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon and will give ten tribes to you. But he shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. This was a very graphic display of how God was going to rip the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give it to Jeroboam. Solomon would be left with one tribe, the one tribe of Judah. But actually, there were two tribes left in the south, Judah and Benjamin, and ten tribes would go to the north. But Benjamin was small enough that it was included with Judah. Because they have forsaken me, the Lord said, and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the people of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do what is right in my eyes and keep my statutes and my judgments, as did his father David. Solomon had led the entire nation into idolatry. However, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, because I have made him ruler all the days of his life. For the sake of my servant David, whom I chose because he kept my commandments and my statutes, but I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand and give it to you, ten tribes. And to his son I will give one tribe, that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself to put my name there. So I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart desires and you shall be king over Israel. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. And I will afflict the descendants of David because of this, but not forever. 
The promise given to Jeroboam was conditional. If he would walk in the ways of the Lord and keep his commandments as David did, then God would build for him an enduring dynasty. God would afflict the southern kingdom of David, but not forever. Because the son of David would come, the Messiah, and under his reign, the kingdom would be reunited. Of course, this will not occur until Jesus Christ returns to reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, sitting on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And what a glorious day that will be, the return of the king. Solomon therefore sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. This message was the last word of discipline and rebuke for the wayward king. And what more could God do to awaken him? Solomon should have fallen on his face in repentance and humility and sought God's face. But instead, he tried to kill Jeroboam, his rival. In this, he acted more like Saul than his father David. You know, God is patient. He is merciful. But if we reject his word and his chastening hand of correction, then we will only make things worse on ourselves. Solomon's life could have ended much differently if he would have humbled himself to God's correction. What about you? Have you learned to humble yourself under God's mighty hand of love? Or must he bring out the rod? You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see that after Solomon dies, Rehoboam is made king. When he rejects Israel's request for tax relief, 10 tribes revolt. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Kings on Simply the Bible.